If you are here, you're not here by accident. Amen. God has a plan. He's working things out. Amen. He's got a reason for everything. He's putting the, the puzzle pieces together. And he's got a beautiful picture, but we can't see the whole the whole thing yet. All we just see is our little piece of the puzzle, and it keeps moving us into place. And, and we sometimes we just kind of, no, no, that's not where I belong. I, you know, I'm over here, but God is, God is moving things into place. He has a purpose for every single one of you. And uh, now I'll tell you what, we're going we're gonna, to uh, talk today. Uh, don't get fishy when you hear it. We're gonna, I titled it Total Surrender. Total Surrender. That's good. Yeah. Being able to say, God, whatever it is you desire in my life, I just surrender to you. I give it to you right now. Now we come to Jesus and, and, and we got a lot of baggage and we got things in our past and things. And often, those things hold us and hinder us from being able to do what it is that God has called us to do. Hebrews 12, chapter, verse 1 tells us, he, he says, you know, now we've been given such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. And so, uh, you know, there's so, so often as Christians, we come in and and just because we get saved doesn't mean there aren't things that the Holy Spirit isn't dealing with in your life. And, and I don't know about you, but I've found that as God is developing me and molding me and shaping me and changing me, yeah. that I'll think, all right, you know, I've, I've conquered whatever, and then the Lord has set me free. And then all of a sudden, something I didn't even know existed in me, but he did. He finally says, okay, now it's time to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> and he pulls it out and puts it in front of my face, and I recognize, oh, man, I, I tried to forget about that thing. God's not wanting to forget it. He's wanting you to have victory over it. Right. Amen? Amen. Uh, God wants you to completely have victory in your life. He wants you to be able to walk with integrity and, and be able to walk knowing that you are saved. There's no reason you ought to walk out of here today questioning whether or not you're saved. Amen? And, you know, I, I'll tell you, I've, I've been around people who, I mean, they thought, I mean, they had no, I mean, you talk about, you know, we, we talk, uh, there's doctrines, eternal security, and things like that, and, and you know, I'll, I'll just tell you, I've known people who, the, the doctrine ought to be in eternal insecurity. I mean, you know, if, if they keep that on the other side of heaven, they're going to be in heaven saying, I wonder if he's still like you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. Now, I'm not talking about a false hope. The Bible says damn yourself whether or not you're in Christ. It certainly tells us that you need to, you need to do an a evaluation and say, am I truly in Christ? But, boy, let me tell you what. You, you don't walk in and out of your salvation. You know, you don't you don't sit around just you know uh, tight roping and you know oh my goodness am I going to fall today and you know no no that's not the kind of God we serve He is able to hold you up He is able to with uh, to keep you in every storm he, what it, what it really amounts to is are you keeping your eyes on Him are you keeping your focus on Him or are you looking at everything else that's going on in your life 
surrender is something we probably all struggle with. I was, uh, I saw something. I don't usually do a lot of responding uh, to to most of these texts and things, but I saw someone respond, and they were they were talking, and my dad had put a post up, and uh, he puts he puts some interesting posts up sometimes. <laughs> some some really good. Some Jesus, because I don't want to die. 
Peter's first life. A mighty thing just happened. But then he gets out of there, fears for his life, goes running into a cave. He did the right thing, though. He sought after God. But in his fear and his anguish and in all that, in all that he was doing in this escape, Elijah cries out to God, and in his cry to God, he says, God, you know, I'm the only one left. Israel is fallen. Israel has been corrupted and destroyed, and there's no chance for its revival. There's no chance. It's not coming back. And God, there's a whole, there's an earthquake, fire, wind, but it's not any of those that God begins to speak. Suddenly, just a still small voice speaks out the light. Speaks out the light. He tells him, I've got 7,000 prophets. It's actually verse 18. I didn't have to read it, but it says, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees of which have not bowed under Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. See, Elijah thought he was alone. Yeah. But really, God had 7,000 more just like him. All ready and willing. They hadn't surrendered. They hadn't bowed. They hadn't uh, surrendered. They had given everything to God and they were following God. They may not have been on, on Elijah's radar, but he said, hey, I've got people watching out. How many of you believe that people are watching out, that God's got his watchmen in this country, in America today? Yeah. He's got people. And we're looking at some things. I'm telling you, man, it looks like it's spiraling down. And it seems to be getting faster and faster and faster. And, and you wonder, is there any hope? But let me tell you what, until, until the Lord Jesus Christ returns, all we've got is hope we hold on, that Jesus Christ can send revival back to America again. And we ask God, how can he use us to bring about that revival? How can he use us to show forth his glory in this world and in this place? And so everywhere you go, you're a light. Everywhere you work, Every place you go, now you may be thinking, well, you know, does that mean I gotta sell everything I got? Does that mean I gotta go, you know, do everything and, and, and surrender everything I got? Well, you haven't surrendered all to him. If you haven't done all that, then you're holding on to stuff that's gonna hinder you. But sometimes the interesting thing is, is once you surrender it, God gives it back with, with interest, God gives it back multiplied, God gives it back blessed, and man, let me tell you, there's nothing better than a blessed bike, right, Mike? Uh, and, yeah. A bike's great, but a blessing is even better. Yes, sir. Amen. When God's, when God's blessing is on something, He can begin to do something with it you never thought possible. He can begin to, to use it in a way and use you in a way that you never thought possible. So God's not calling everybody to be a, If everybody was a pastor, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, you, I mean, if every single person was a pastor, I mean, we'd have, I guess, we'd have. One church for every pastor, and then, and then, that'd be kind of weird. Oh, anyway, yeah, he's calling somebody to just be saints. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I do think it's interesting that Ephesians says that he's he's uh, made the prophet, uh, the the prophet, and the the uh, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors. 
the equipping of the saints. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I guess those who can't do teach. You know that? <laughs> right? Kind of it. No, no. Uh, praise the Lord. Well, that's what he wants us for, though. Sure. Is Brother Tommy and Brother Calvin and really anybody else to minister the gospel. You are there to help, to help build the faith and, yeah. and build up people in their faith and get them excited and motivated to go out. Why? Because you, this this group right here, this church, each of you are the church. You can do a whole lot more in this community and this surrounding area as you go to your jobs and Jesus Christ is in you and the Holy Spirit is moving through you and people get touched by you. You can yeah. do more than I could in a day. You can do more than you can do more in one day than I could do probably in my entire lifetime. Think about it. Yeah, right. You could probably do more in a single day than I might be able to accomplish in a an entire lifetime as the Holy Spirit is using you right where he wants you, right where he needs you, right? And so he, he will call people out. He'll tell you, I've got friends. He's told them, you sell everything, you give everything, and you move on to another country. And I've got friends who literally gave everything and went on to another country. Well, I've got some real quick points. And then I also have a, a video that I believe is going to really touch you and, and uh, minister to you. I believe it fits with this whole thing. Uh, so often we we allow insecurities, unforgiveness, the things of our past yeah. to hinder anything we do in the future. Right. And I've been there. I've been in that same situation where I allowed the things of my past to allow the yeah. things that, that were not all just perfectly in order to cause me to say I can't do what God's called me to do. But if God calls you to do something, he'll equip you too. God isn't going to call you and then not equip you. He'll prepare you for that way. So I want to share a passage here about a man, a young man, who was just a, a rancher, a farmer. He was a farmer. But God had a plan for his life. He saw all the havoc wrecked in Israel. And I, I would guess that Elisha, this, this farmer, I would guess that Elisha saw the devastation in his country, and as he was, as he was allowing those oxen to pull on, on that plow, I just imagine him weeping and praying over his country, over what he saw happening to his his land, the promised land that God had given him. So in verse 19, Elisha shows up and it says this. So he, Elijah, departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him, and took a yoke of oxen, and slew them, and boiled their flesh, and with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose, and went after Elijah, and ministered unto him. Wow. Let's pray.
does Elisha surrendered all, you would begin to speak to us about what it is we need to surrender to you. What is it, Lord God, that is holding us back from being able to be your servant? From being able to minister like you desire to minister to us. We just give you glory for it. I pray, Father God, that you would allow me to decrease and you to increase. I pray, Father God, that you would allow me to remain humble. But Lord, your name would be lifted up. That no one, no flesh in this house would receive the glory, but you and you alone would receive glory and honor and power today. We just thank you for it, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. There were two people that had to surrender that day. Elijah and Elisha. Now, at first, you might think it's a little odd. What do you mean Elijah had to surrender? But if any of you have ever been in a position, and some of you just experienced it as a mother or a father, but there comes a point in time where you as a leader, as someone maybe in management or or you're moving, you're, you're moving things, there comes a point in time where you might be receiving praise and you might be doing a great job and everybody's looking at you and saying, oh, wow, you are so good at this job and you are so, you know, this is incredible. This is what you ought to, you know, this man, you are, you were made for this. And, and you kind of, you know, I mean, man, imagine Elijah, all the miracles that God had used him for. But then there comes a point in time where God says, hey, I want you to raise up someone under you. I want you to lead someone else. I want you to lead them in such a way that they're going to do even more than you ever did. That they're going to do more than you ever thought possible. It's, it's the hope of my heart for my girls as a father. I want my girls to, to do more for Christ. Than, than my wife and I ever could have imagined. I want to, to, I want to change the world for Christ Jesus. Man. I want them to. And I believe they can. I believe they can. Elijah had to surrender his mantle. See, a mantle was the one key of signifying of the prophet of the day. A person could see Elijah or one of the other prophets coming and they would know he was a prophet because he wore something, a prayer shawl, a cloth, that had a particular significance and it actually would identify him and allow him to see, oh, that is the man of God. That's that prophet. And Elijah had to be willing to surrender God's anointing, God's calling, all that God had done in him. See, Elijah had given up everything. Elijah, think about it. Elijah's living by the brook. He's got God bringing him meat, and he's drinking from a stream. He's, he's not going to the king's house. He's heading to the widow of Zarephath, and, and she's picking out stones, getting ready to die, but God allows him to sustain the bread, the, the, the wheat, and the oil, if you remember the story. Elijah's not living in the palaces. Elijah's not living high on the hog. 
And God has blessed him and he's seen miracles that most people would only dream of. But God's allowed him to do it. And now God's saying, I found your successor. I'm asking you to raise him up. Sure. Yeah. You know, every single one of us has somebody looking at us. Every single one of us right. has somebody who's looking up to us. Now, as parents, we have that as our children. But then we also have other people that sometimes you don't even realize they're looking. Yeah. Little young men, can I just speak to the fathers for just a second? Can I just say, I've got, I got two girls. But I know that a lot of our young men who have grown up, they didn't have a father around. We're it. We may be all they get to see for what it means to be a man. And while the world is trying to to reduce man and woman into just some kind of, I don't know, unidentifiable, indistinct, everybody's just one type of person, no? God created man and woman. And you know what? Men need to see other men and how they live for God. And so every man in here, I, I challenge you and encourage you you find some young man that's that's growing up, maybe a teen or or some young man that that needs to know what it means to be a godly man. Yes, sir. Because I guarantee you, if you take that challenge, they will be watching you. The truth is, they're probably already watching you anyways. Choose to raise them up. Same thing goes for the ladies. Every single one of you have that opportunity to raise someone up. To, to give the mantle that God has, has given to you. To be able to drape it over someone else and surrender it and not say, God, I like what I'm getting. It's, it's, I, I like that I, I get all this praise and get all this, uh, you know, everybody's saying, oh, no, no, no. I want to see somebody else and I want to see them do even greater. I want to see, I want to see a young man raised up that, he does, that he's a better man than I am. That he's a better Christian than I am. That he does more for God than I could ever think possible. I mean, praise God. I'll tell you. Praise God for our rangers. Our men's ministry. Our rural rangers. Sure. James, yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. it. Those kids look up to you. We need men that are willing to say. I want. I want those young men to grow up in a world and know that there's a such thing as a man of God. That there really is such thing as a man of God. So, Elijah had to give up of his own insecurities. Find someone, ask God to begin to allow you not just to hold what God has given you in, but find someone you can pour it out Find someone that you can begin to raise up behind you that you realize, man, they're going to see you. They're going to see what you do, and they're going to see how you react. They're going to see how you how you treat your, your spouse and how you, you know, react in all different areas of life. And 
They're going to see the good and bad. Sometimes they're going to need to see what forgiveness means and grace and mercy. But they need to see it, and they need to see it in a godly person. Amen? Amen. We need you. Older congregation, we need you. We need you more than you could possibly ever know in this generation, my generation, the generation under me. We need those that are, that are older, that have seen the miracles of God, that have seen the moves of God, that have seen the miraculous things happen. Yeah, man. We need to see. We need to see. The second person that had to surrender was Elisha. Elisha had to surrender all his past failures, all his past successes, follow the call of God. Now every time I read this passage before, I always imagined, and it may very well be the case, but I always imagined Elisha like on this huge plow with 12 oxen yoked. And I was reading and, and studying and, and uh, it actually seems to fit the text, but it actually uh, appears. See, Elijah was with Elisha was with the 12. He owned 12 that were yoked. He was with the 12. I never really paid attention to that. Where did all these people come when he boiled that, that flesh? Well, he had a bunch of workers. See, what, what really most, almost every single commentary that talks about this suggests that Elisha was a pretty well-to-do man. If you owned 12 oxen, 12 yoked oxen and plows in that day and age, you were pretty well. You were doing good for yourself. Most people just had one, and they were glad for that, if they had it. You know, some of them had to do it by hand, just to survive. But he owned 12 of them, and he had servants to help him work the fields. And Elisha, even though he had, he was a man of resources, he wasn't sitting back and, and just, just drinking tea while his servants were. No, he was on the 12 working with them. He was out there in the field with them, plowing it up and working hard. And he was, he was a, a man of integrity. He was a godly man. And God had seen who he was. And God had a special mission for him. God called him out. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't talk right. about it. But if you look back before, in, in chapter uh, 19, you'll see that, that I'm actually in chapter 18, I believe. But anyway, Elijah, God actually speaks to Elijah and tells him, hey, I want you to go and see Elisha. Elijah didn't just pick Elisha out. God sent Elijah to him. Right. Amen. Right? So when Elisha gets this mantle thrown on him, he knows exactly what it means. He knows exactly what it means. It's a call to come and follow him. Yes, to come and be his successor. That, that's his mantle. That's his anointing. That's his call of God. That's his identifier. That I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And whatever follower of God at that time, but Jesus Christ anyway. Amen. And what does he do? Elisha runs to him. Elisha runs to him. He accepts the call. Right. Now you might think, well, doesn't he not turn back? No. You know, Jesus said, any man that's put his hand to the plow and turns back, not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Well, praise God for restoration, anyways. I know a lot of people who think, oh, no, I'll never do anything for God because of what I've done in the past. Are you kidding me? Jesus is a man of, uh, of restoration. 
He, he restored the, you know, so many people in the Bible. He's a, he's a, a God of restoration. But you know what Elijah? Elisha heads back, kisses mom and daddy, and says, you're not going to believe this. I'm, I'm going to be a prophet. And then, to prove that he wasn't going back, he takes those plows and yokes, chops them up, makes firewood, and boils those oxen. And feeds all those servants and then follows Elijah. Philippians 3. I want to read this. I think I got it on the overhead as well. Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14. Paul said this Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward unto the things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Wow. Wow. Forgetting those things. You know, that's, that's that's the key. For some of you, that's what your surrender is today. For some of you, your surrender today is just simply saying, God, I'm no longer going to look back on the things of my past. But I'm choosing today to say, God, I give it all to you. For some of us, it's just going to be a release, a weight off of our shoulders that allows us to move much further than we ever have with God before. And he's allowing us to have that, that ability to say, yes, God, I give everything to you. I give everything to you. Elisha was a man of God. He saw Israel was a corrupt place. But he looked and he said, I'm giving it all up for Jesus Christ. I'm burning the ox. I'm burning the, 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 the uh, yoke. And I'm taking on uh, the mantle of Elisha. And guess, I mean, of Elijah. And guess what he did? He did twice as many works. See, if Elijah had held on to his oxen, he would never. See, Elijah was living in the blessings of God. Please hear me. Elijah was living under blessing because he was a godly man. But he would have never seen God's best if he hadn't given it all away. If he hadn't destroyed it and gone with Elijah, he would have never seen the miracles of God. Some of us are waiting on a miracle and God's saying, I'm waiting on you. I need you to make the first step. I need you to surrender something to me. I need you to give something to me. I need you to give something over. We've got excuses. We've got reasons. I'll just tell you right now. i got a multitude of reasons why I can't pass one. i got a multitude of reasons why there's no way I'll ever be able to pass one. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> and yet, here I am. We have to surrender to him and say, God, I, I just give it all away. I give it all to you. It's all yours. It reminds me of a little story I once heard of a young girl who lost her mom. And before her mom had died, she received these pearls. She had gotten these pearls, and uh, they were just those little 
Stern deals and you know fake pearls and, and she wore them. And, uh, I can't remember what they said they were made out of, but you know she, Mom always told her don't wear them in the shower because they'll they'll you know the, the coating will come off. And he you know had to do all this stuff and you know just told her all these things. And Mom dies and it's real tragic. But one of the things she held on to was just these little little pearls and she just. She just always remembered how mom told her things about them. And it wasn't that mom had given them to her, but it just, it just was some little reminder. And her dad one night saw those pearls, and he had in mind a gift to give her, but he walks in, and he says to, to her before the night of prayer, he says, would you give me those pearls? Uh, actually, I Thank you. 